All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, welcome back. Happy December. The holidays are officially here, and I could not be more excited. I'm soaking up all things holidays. You guys, I am sitting by my tree. I'm trying to make my life a Hallmark movie, even though it is not at all. But still, I can try. I can light all the candles, and I can listen to all the music, and I can sit by my tree, and I can sip my coffee, okay? And that's what makes me happy. Today's episode, so we have Carolina Zadkowolska of the Euphoric Podcast. She also wrote the book Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol, and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. So in this episode, I'm going to tell you guys something. This is the first episode that I've kind of, uh, I've pushed back a little bit. 
and maybe did not see things the way my guest sees them. As you're listening to this, I just want to make sure, you know, I'm always thinking about, I'm always thinking about you guys and just the moms in the Sober Mom Life Cafe and on the Facebook page and you, if you're listening. And, you know, moms, man, we really do have the most important job in the world. And it can feel overwhelming. It can feel monumental. It can feel, I mean, so hard, yes, worthwhile, all of the things. And if in your sobriety journey, you do not, you know, start a podcast or write a book or create a business and travel the world or quote unquote change the world, I just want you to know that you are changing the world. You're changing the world of the little ones who are growing up in your home and you're showing them that they can feel all the feelings. You're showing them how to feel the feelings, how to say what they need, and to do all of that and to live a full life without alcohol. You're showing them that, and that is your legacy. And please hear me when I say that is more than enough. I just want you to keep that in mind. I'm proud of you. I'm continually inspired by you and your honesty and your bravery and showing your kids a full alcohol-free life. That is your legacy, and I am so proud of you. Just don't forget, if you love the podcast, rate and review it follow it so you know when we have new episodes and come and join us. Come and join the Sober Mom Life Cafe where you get to connect with wonderful women who are changing the world, their own worlds in their own way. It truly is the best place on the internet. I know I'm biased, but I'm right, you guys. I'm right about this one thing. So yeah, come and join us. I'll leave that link in the show notes. Enjoy this episode. I want to hear what you think come and let me know on my kind of suite or at the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. And um, we'll just keep the conversation going, okay? I'm so proud of you. Keep going and enjoy this episode. Carolina, welcome to the Sober Mom Life. I'm so happy to have you. Suzanne, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. I'm so excited to talk about your book. You guys, if you don't know and if you don't already have it, and we will link it in the show notes, the book is called Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, which is really all we're about over here at the Sober Mom Life Podcast. We love that. We love finding freedom from alcohol. So let's talk about before we get into the book, I want to hear your story and yeah, when you ditched alcohol and why and how you were able to do that. Yeah. Thanks for asking. You know, I like to preface to say that like I really learned to drink in college as most of us do. And I had no healthy boundaries around it back then. Like I was just out partying and, you know, toxic boyfriends, whatever I was dealing with, I didn't know how to cope any other way. And as I grew up, as I kind of settled into a career and I got married and I, you know, settled down, 
I tried to shove my drinking into this more adult sophisticated thing. So I basically got really into health and mindfulness and Monday through Thursday lived the healthiest lifestyle. I would go to yoga classes. I would drink my green juice. I would meditate. And every single weekend I would still drink. Only it looked obviously different from college. It was like very normal. You know, it was your sushi night. It was your game night. It was, uh, you know, a wedding. It was Netflix and wine with my husband or so. Yeah, but it didn't feel classy. It's like all the healthy progress I made through the week was just wiped away by the weekend. And I lived in this cycle with this really heightened awareness about it. So many years Mm -hmm. of just rinsing and repeating the cycle over and over and over again. And I wanted so badly to take a break from alcohol just to like have space away from it. But I would always look at my social calendar and there was the happy hour, there was the networking event, there was whatever, you know, and it just didn't seem like I was ever allowed to. I was also so stuck in the idea that like, if you stop drinking, you are now an alcoholic. And not only did I, was I way too stubborn and independent to take on a negative label, but I also didn't really relate to any kind of rock bottom stories. If anything, my drinking actually lessened over the years versus worse because I was probably drinking more in college if I was honest about it. But I think that heightened awareness became even more painful where it's like the version of yourself you want to be isn't what the reality is, right? And like you can really tell. And it wasn't until I heard about dry January that I was like, oh, I could just take a break and I don't have to explain it to anyone. And I fell in love. Obviously, I fell in love with the peaceful early mornings. I fell in love with the deep sleep. I fell in love with how proud of myself I felt every single day. And then February comes around and I still don't really believe I'm allowed to be a non-drinker. I still think if I want to be normal, I have to drink. So I drink a few times socially in February and it sucks. Like I hate it so much. I notice how one or two drinks completely tanks my mood, makes me feel even frustrated and cranky. And I was like, whoa, in dry January, I was like flying high as a kite. Like what the hell? For so long, I thought I drank out of fun, that it was something like fun to do. And I was like, this isn't a fun, pleasurable experience whatsoever. And that's when I really kind of like sunk into this, like, I really want to change my relationship with alcohol. And so I decided to take another break. But this time I really dove deep into changing my mindset, changing my desires, really just unpacking and untangling everything I once believed about alcohol. And I've been basically alcohol free ever since coming on six years next year. And literally everything in my life expanded and exploded in the best possible way. Not only did my health really improve, my emotional intelligence and sense of spirituality really heightened. But I think the biggest thing for me was the confidence I got out of it. Because when I was drinking, always letting myself down, you know, not abiding by my intentions And it was like every single day that stacked, I was just like, holy hell, like, look at me go. And that confidence was the same confidence that finally tackled these beliefs I had that I could never be an entrepreneur or I could never write a book. And I was just like, why not actually go for it? And I have to say that the pattern I had of like Monday through Friday, like basically not being able to wait for the weekend to be able to drink. It was as if alcohol was the highlight of my week. And the rest of the week was just like, how can we just get through this as fast as possible? I didn't realize how unfulfilled I was with the week. And so now in my work, I help women not only change the relationship with alcohol, but find that missing fulfillment piece of really, you know, doing the thing they want to do with the world and finding meaning and purpose in that 
so that alcohol loses all sense of allure and just becomes this meaningless thing in the rearview window. And since then, you know, basically I've built a multiple six-figure business. I wrote my book that's on bookshelves, which is just something I never even dreamed would be possible. I was able to uh, have my husband quit his job and now we work together and travel the world whenever we want, host retreats around the world. We have a certification program. I mean, the things I'm doing today were the pipe dreams I used to have when I was stuck in a cubicle Looking forward to the weekend just to have a drink. Okay, there's so much there. First of all, how old are you? I'm 36. (laughs) You're 36? Yeah. Okay, so you stopped drinking when you were 30. Yeah. Which is uh, kind of bananas. I mean, that's good for you. I stopped drinking when I was 39. I'll be, it'll be four years in January. And like, I feel like those, you know, you, you guys who like get it earlier, I mean, kudos because that's amazing. Also, Your story of what really stuck out to me the most, I think, is when you're drinking, when you're in this cyclical moderation cycle, right? When it's, okay, Monday through Thursday, I'm like focused on my health and wellness. I don't see the alcohol as an interrupter of that, right? I don't really know what it is, what it's doing to my body and my mental health and my wellness, right? I only know that I'm looking forward to it and then I cut it out during the week and then I go balls to the wall on the weekend. And you said that you kind of noticed then that you noticed that you were doing that and you were in that cycle for years. And I always want to point out that that is such an important time. I think we can so often look back at that and say, God, why didn't I know this sooner? Why didn't I quit sooner? Think about everything I would have done, right? And even your February, right? After your dry January and you say like, okay, wow, I'm feeling amazing. Like sometimes you need that foil. So you need that February to go, okay, as long as we're like very cognizant, right? And it sounds like you are. Like you said, you were mindful and you were really aware of how you were feeling and what alcohol was doing. And so that moderation phase and the cycle and then the even the going back, which I never call it a relapse because my story isn't one of addiction. It sounds like yours isn't either. And so whether that's, you know, we talk a lot about the five stages of change and that they're not linear. You're not going to chart a graph and be like, yes, here. And now it just goes up and up and up, right? It's a, we're not math equations as my therapist mom always says. So having that kind of going back to February and being like, okay, I did dry January. Now societal pressures or whatever is kind of getting to me. And I'm saying, Am I doing this? Is this too drastic? All of these questions that we can kind of spiral into and that get us stuck. And then you go back to it and then you really notice. Like, I think that that's a crucial part. And same with that moderation piece, right? If we didn't have that, I think it would be even easier to romanticize alcohol. And we're taught everywhere we look to romanticize alcohol. And so if that's not part of our story, I think we can fall into that pretty quickly. Absolutely. Because you know what? Like, I remember exactly what it feels like to have one drink. It sucks. (laughs) You open up that loop in your brain and then you're like, okay, now we close it. Now we deprive ourselves. So it's like, there's no romanticism to it. You know what I mean? And obviously we all know what it feels like to drink too much. Like that sucks as well. So I think that having that really ability to completely demystify alcohol in all its forms and all of its things, because I think sometimes that's the problem is that especially if someone over drinks all the time is like, they're just like, well, something's just wrong with me. If I could only magically contain it, it would be perfectly fine. And it's like, no, 
know, that's actually sucks just as much for your mental health and well-being and and all those things and takes away your freedom and takes you just super single minded that night. You know what I mean? So I, I really do think it's incredible to have these kind of different experiences to just like so demystify alcohol completely. And to me, it's so meaningless. You know, the longer I go to that, it kind of almost surprises me still that like people are drinking, but like, it's just not, if it wasn't for the work I did, I would just never almost think about it. You know what I mean? My life just moves on. And I really identified with so many movers and shakers. And that's what really helped me my first year. Instead of thinking of it as a weakness or a problem or something that's embarrassing to go through, I started seeing the people who literally are like moving mountains, creating legacies, creating movements, and they're not drinking. You know, Tony Robbins doesn't drink. Deepak Chopra does not drink. Brene Brown doesn't drink. Gabby Bernstein doesn't drink. There's like on and on and on I could go. And I started to identify with that, like almost like this is a measure of success, not something to be embarrassed about. And that's what really helped flip the switch for me too. I always say this when Brene Brown, I remember her saying like, sobriety is my superpower. And I remember thinking when I was still drinking, I thought, oh, she has to say that. Like she has to think that. Like sober people have to think that that's you know, really that great because so otherwise they will know the truth and that they're missing out. And now that I'm sober, I'm like, holy shit, Brene Brown was right. Oh my God, I should have known. Brene Brown's right about everything. She's literally never been wrong. It's just all, it's so much of it. And this is not, I always want to stress, this is not about the addiction story, right? Because I do understand the pushback in that if you're addicted to alcohol, you're going to need more than a reframe, right? But there's such power in this. If you are stuck in the cycle of moderation, there's such power in a reframe. And it really is like change your community, change your life. What are you going to look at? Who are you going to look at as your North Star? And if it is Cameron Diaz and her stupid organic wine, which you guys don't even get me started. Oh, (laughs) I cringe. As much as I love Gwyneth Paltrow, I mean, she is like my, I'm like, Gwyneth, all the bone broth in the world is not gonna, it's tequila. Like you're still drinking tequila. You know what I mean? Like the bone broth doesn't matter. And so it depends on who you're looking at. If you look for powerful, sober women and you see kind of what we are doing, and yes, I'm putting us both in that category, you will be inspired and you will say like, holy shit, sobriety is not boring. Sobriety is not dull. It's actually the opposite. It's super badass and euphoric. Absolutely. And I, I really believe that like, not everyone gets tapped on the shoulder. And so everyone who does get tapped on the shoulder and has that intuitive nudge that I'm made for more of this, I think it's actually a signal that you're meant for absolute greatness. And your transformation Mm. from alcohol is the vehicle that's changing you on the inside to be the version of yourself who's able to do the things you really want to do in this world. It's almost like a preparation, like an initiation, you know what I mean, to that greatness. And I think that Every woman who decides to reevaluate alcohol has a really big purpose on this planet. And that is the vehicle and the symbol almost she needs to go through to be able to be that version of herself. And, you know, from my community, the women's I've talked to, you know, hearing your story, just like a hundred percent, I keep on reaffirming that this is the truth that we unleash such a fire, such a big gift of potential, such an incredible sense of on purposeness when we ditch alcohol and go through a journey of personal development, like alcohol-free women literally are going to change the world. 
It's so true. And I think it's important to point out too, if creating a community or like being a sobriety influencer or an author or a thought leader, or any of these things isn't for you, that doesn't mean that, that, that you're not going to be great, right? You're going to be great in whatever community you're in. And I say this all the time is that moms, we are the influencers of our own home. If you're calling or what, if what is being put on you in sobriety is to be great in your home, like that is the most important thing to the world, to your little world, right? And so it doesn't necessarily mean like start a company, take over the world that way, but we are changing the world in all of the big ways and in all of the little ways. Okay. And so tell me, you quickly found freedom, right? And you were like, oh my God, this is kind of how I'm designed to feel. Like alcohol was just getting in the way of all of that. How quickly did you start to realize what you wanted to do with that? Yeah. I think what alcohol really blocked for so long was my intuition and the sense of creativity. So I remember, for example, when I was a little girl, I wrote a lot. I I really wanted to be an author when I was little. So I would write little poems, little short stories, like little novel ideas. I journaled a lot. And it's so funny to watch. It's like right when I go to college, all my writing dries up. And the thing is, is that the goal or the dream never went away. And so every year when I got older in my mid-20s to late 20s, I would have a New Year's resolution where this is the year that I write the book, right? And I would literally do 30 minutes of writing the first week of January and then never pick up the pen again. And so like I had the worst writer's block. I had no ideas and I also had no discipline. Like I'm sorry, but it was so much easier to open a bottle of wine than write the next great American novel. And I think for me, even though like the drinking was quote unquote, totally normal, what everyone else was doing internally, like it was a way of playing small. It was a way of not taking on the like gargantuan task of actually playing big in the world and being the version of myself I wanted to be. It was the excuse in the back of my mind, you know, for everything. And so I was struggling with that so much that I even remember one Christmas when I was still drinking probably like the last Christmas, I literally told my sister-in-law that if I had one goal or dream in my life, it'd be to write a book. And I said it with such desperation because I had tried so hard by that point to do it. And it was completely not happening that I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Like I was so stuck in that despair of like that ship has sailed basically. And so that has kind of been with me my whole life. And what, you know, when I went alcohol free, all of a sudden I notice I'm journaling a lot more. Like all of a sudden I just want to like completely pour over and, you know, divulge in my experiences, my epiphanies, my transformation and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like this is new, you know? And I remember sitting at the beach in Hawaii. It was my first vacation alcohol-free and I was having the best time of my life. Like I was, you know, going out and snorkeling every day and hiking and riding my bike and watching the sunrise. I mean, who watches the sunrise when they're drinking, you know? And it was just such an incredible trip where I was like doing more than I'd ever done and just really enjoying the vacation instead of day drinking on a beach where you do nothing literally. And I was sitting at a beach for sunset and all around me, people were like actually hurrying to get to this bar to try to get a drink so that they can enjoy the sunset with a drink. And I'm just like, you guys are missing it. Like the universe is painting us this masterpiece in the sky right now. And I felt so connected to it. And in that moment, I got this divine download euphoric. Carolina, you are meant to write a book and launch a business and help women change their relationship with alcohol called euphoric. And like, 
because I was so stuck in that writer's block, I had no ideas. Nothing came to me for like a decade, right? And as soon as I got home about a week later, I got every single chapter again in a divine download of my book before it came out on bookshelves four years earlier. Everything, like all the ideas I couldn't have for 10 years just all of a sudden came to me. And so that's like, I think a really strong sign that I got that the universe was actually like talking to me, calling me to do these kinds of things. And I remember I also had another trip to Japan. And this is when I was still like, it was all considered just a break. Like we're just doing another break at this point. And I was actually like at a drinking tour because I had booked it before when I was still drinking. So this was like a, you know, a little easy Kaya tour we had. And there was like a beer placed in front of me. And I was like, you know what? If I have this beer, all of these good ideas, all of this creativity, all of this sense of gratitude, all of this awe and wonder I have is all going to be just wiped away. I know that, right? And for what? A beer that I've had literally thousands of times in my life. Like I've been there. I've done that. And I think that's what this solidifying moment where I came home and I also was like, I'm done with alcohol. And that's like where I just completely turned on into finding my deeper purpose. And so I quickly joined alcohol-free like women's groups. I started like just trying new things all the time. I started writing a lot and I started my website and eventually launched my business. And I think for me, it was like really these beliefs that like I could never actually do that, which was really stopping me. I wanted to do it, but I didn't believe that I was capable of doing that kind of stuff. And it was like the confidence, the growth, the getting myself out of my comfort zone through alcohol that really pushed me. And so, you know, launching my business was something that, you know, I was fine in my cubicle, but like I was so unfulfilled in the sense that I wasn't really doing my life's work. I really wanted to travel the world. I really wanted to be have my own autonomy and make an impact, especially too. That was really important to me. And I didn't feel like I was making an impact with my previous job. And so like I put all these values together of freedom and impact and abundance and just all the things that I wanted. And I actually created a career out of that. And, you know, every step of the way have been building it and building it, building it. So I started back in 2018. And like literally, it's been such another growth journey for me as an entrepreneur to like really get out of my comfort zone over and over and over again and keep being called to grow in so many different ways. And so, you know, just to end the story about the book, I started writing the book and I went through the process of, you know, getting an agent and a book deal and a publisher and all that kind of stuff. And then four years after that moment, before it came out, um, and that was just like, to think of that one Christmas where I literally believed that that dream was going down the drain and there was no way it was going to happen. And to be able to like hold my book, go on TV, see it in bookstores is just now made me completely change my worldview about things. Like I am the biggest believer in anything being possible. I am no longer a skeptic. I really do believe that like our dreams are meant for us, whatever they look like, right? They can be also unique to each of us. And that through the fulfillment of our desires, we actually do make the world a better place. We give permission to other people to mm-hmm. live out their beautiful dreams and their beautiful goals in any shape that looks like. I've worked with so many women in my, for example, Become Emboldened program on working on their beautiful purpose project. And it, it's so interesting how how unique we all are and some of our goals and dreams. But I do know a lot of women who specifically want to write a book or grow a business because of that sense of just autonomy and giving back as well. Um, and I'm just so enamored with those things because they they really can change the world. You know what I mean? So if any of you listeners are aspiring writers and want to write a book one day, 
you have that book inside of you. You know what I mean? And I don't think it would have been given to you if you weren't the person who was meant to write it, whatever your story is or whatever kind of book you want to write. I think it's just such a special, sacred dream to have that. So, I mean, everything catalyzed because of ditching alcohol, right? Not even like when some people maybe get to a year or two and they try to think of like, well, should I go back to it? It's not even a question of like, oh, well, can you moderate or is what are the, it's not even about the alcohol anymore. It's like if alcohol at any point represented you playing small, what would it mean to symbolically go back to that state instead of playing big on your life on purpose, emboldened, confident, empowered, right? In the way that we act when we're alcohol free. And so to me, it's just so simple. And I really do see so many people out there, like I said, the movers and the shakers and the thought leaders who are ditching alcohol or had ditched it a while ago or whatever. And it's just like, to me, it really is like make a legacy, make a monument of your life, you know, and how meaningless alcohol really becomes when we are living on purpose and we are living out our desires. Obviously, very hard and challenging. It grows us in so many ways, too. But it's like, I don't want anyone to get to the end of their life and regret what they could have been done, had, you know, I don't want anyone to like, it's the things where we're going to regret that we didn't do that are going to hit us the hardest, not the things we did do. Mm, There's so much there. I mean, I think I love this idea of that alcohol is just such a barrier to so many things like, oh, so many things. I do just my social responsibility is nagging at me just to make sure that we can understand like there are systemically issues in place, right? And boundaries and barriers and things that that many women, I think especially people of color that are put in place that is like hard to overcome, almost impossible. And so I just want to call that out because I think sometimes in this conversation that is missing, that it's just like if you work hard enough, you can have whatever you want. And that's just overall probably not true, right? But the idea of alcohol being such a barrier to everything, I mean, I I think to everything is that hits home so much to me. I think, you know, we have been tricked into, I mean, it goes back to Jack Kerouac and even, I mean, farther than that and thinking that alcohol is the key to creativity, right? And it's like, oh, I'm not going to be a good writer if I take alcohol out because alcohol is the thing that is going to get me in tune with myself and how I feel and, and I'm going to perseverate in it and all of these things, right? And that is just such bullshit that I have found. And my story is so similar to yours in that like, yeah, when I'm drinking, it was not. And the fact is that it numbs us. It numbs everything, right? It numbs how we feel. It numbs how our brain works. It numbs all of our senses, everything. And so it makes so much sense then that taking that away, we are like in tune with ourselves. And that can also be really hard and really challenging because when we're so used to not feeling and not caring and not having to cope in a healthy way, right? Removing that crutch can be terrifying and and hard in a different way, right? But the idea that it really stunts our creativity, I have, yes, 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 yes. I have seen that firsthand as I just submitted my book proposal and pitched to my agent uh, yesterday. And so, yeah, like the floodgates open, right? Yay. And you know what, too? I think that there's so much 
courage that comes with doing those kinds of things. And, And it really is facing all of our fears of failure, of being criticized, judged, like all the things that come with so much of playing that big role in your life and going after what you want. I think there's just a bravery to even own your desire. You know what I mean? And we all have such a different reality that we all live in. You know what I mean? But when the mind believes that something isn't possible, we just will always get conclusive data and evidence that the actions will therefore follow that, you know? And so I, I don't know how much power we have to change certain circumstances, but it's like if we can change the mind and really know that we can have some level of ownership. For example, like in the digital age, you you and I went the traditional book route where we are getting agents and publishers and getting book deals or whatever. But like, isn't it incredible that literally anyone can publish a book on Amazon now? If you wanted to record a song, like anyone can record a song now and put it up on the internet. And it's so kind of, kind of a mind bend to kind of recognize how much times have changed in the sense that the gatekeepers in a way aren't necessarily there. Like even anyone, if they wanted to, could become famous on Instagram. Like you don't have to be Angelina Jolie anymore. And I like to think of the story of my grandmother and literally anyone, just imagine your grandmother or your great grandmother, let's say great grandmother, right? Like a hundred years ago, 120 years ago, they were alive. Can we even not like about the reality of what women used to experience back then? Absolutely no freedom, no autonomy, no career, no ability to decide what they wanted to do in their lives. Stuck in poverty, famine, disease, no modern medicine, discrimination, like so much incredible heaviness that our previous generations could do nothing but just survive. And to now be at an era where literally, truly in the digital age, I do believe anything is possible and that we kind of owe it to our ancestors to be the torchbearers and to, you know, a lot of the mindsets that we've grown up with are from previous times in the sense that it was the safest thing for our parents to get corporate jobs and work until retirement and all that kind of stuff. And our world is changing so much. Like in 20 years, most of our jobs will be unrecognizable to us, you know? So I think it's also something so beautiful to like recognize where we are in time and place. And with that change in our relationship with alcohol, that like when you personally can believe that this is all happening for a bigger reason, the universe, I think, will deliver. And we'll just give you these incredible synchronicities and signs about what that looks like in your life and what that you're meant to do. And to me, I honor my grandmother every day. I stare at this amethyst rock that you know she left behind to me. She's a World War II survivor. She was bombed. Her husband was in a concentration camp. Like She survived the worst and still had the most positive attitude. And I think that she left that all behind to me And that every single thing that I dream of in the women's lives that I can touch is her legacy. Like she instilled that into me. And that is the most honor I could ever give back to her is recognizing that she could have never done the things that I get to do today in this modern era. Never. Right. And it's like almost like a moral responsibility for me. And it feels like that personally, at least. I'm not saying this for everyone, but for me personally, it feels like a more responsibility yeah. to take that torch and cross that finish line with it. And so that's a lot of also things that have really helped some of my clients make a lot of sense of like changing scarcity mindset or changing any kind of limiting beliefs around what they're here on this planet to do. I really do believe all of us came here with a big purpose and a big reason. And like you said, even if that's being the like most incredible coach 
to your little ones and changing the spirits and the lives and reprogramming our nervous systems for future generations, that is the most sacred work we could ever do. But to think that it's like, I'm not a big deal or I don't have a purpose, you know, I think that just is a disservice to anyone. And so I love your way of seeing that. No, we all have that inside of us and we all get this unique way of doing it. But to truly step into that and takes a complete empowerment of that as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's, you know, well, first of all, when you said women's uh, autonomy, you know, we're still fighting for that. So <laughs> there we go. Bodily autonomy, we're, we're still fighting for that, which is bananas. But yes, I think that I know, you know, from the thousands of women that I talk to, I just, I hear and I know that some people can shut down when it's like, oh, I'm called to do something very big. Well, you know, what is that? I'm scraping by and I'm, you know, working two jobs and I'm a single mom and I have four kids and I like, yeah, I can't do anything big. And that's why I always want to come back to that. It's like, you're already doing it. Like you're listening to this podcast. You're listening. You're seeking out the truth about alcohol and you're examining your relationship with alcohol and how it's affected you and you're breaking cycles in families. I mean, I think to be the one who stands up and says, you know, I'm strong enough to feel it all. I can change this cycle of substance abuse or alcohol abuse or whatever it is. Like if you grew up with a dad who drank too much or if you have seen the havoc that alcohol wreaks in families and in generations and to be the one to say, it's enough. Like it's going to stop with me. I am going to teach my kids ways to cope. I'm going to talk about feelings. I'm going to want to hear about their feelings. I'm going to respect my and their feelings. I'm going to be able to hear when they're upset and help them through it and help them manage, right? And I think that that – Like if that is quote unquote all you're doing, that's so much more than enough. That is your legacy, right? That is your legacy. Your kids are going to say, yeah, you know, I know that my grandparents drank a lot or I know that my great grandparents drank a lot or whatever, but my mom stopped drinking. My mom stopped drinking when I was five, when I was 10, when I was 15, whatever. And when I was going through a hard time or when I needed her, she was there in the middle of the night, I could always count on her. All of these things that we always talk about, like if that is your legacy, that is, that's amazing. You know, so interesting about that is that like, we know that trauma is inherited and that we like literally embed it into our DNA as our mindsets as well. And that it actually passes down for seven generations. And that's just like, if if nothing is done, that is how everybody's nervous systems will be just born in utero is like overly stressed and anxious and stuff. But the thing is that something can be done. Like if you are the one who changes your nervous system, you embody more joy, you embody more empowerment, you just change the way that you react to the world and really come home to like yourself and your desires. That is the change for every single generation after you. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was Gandhi who said it, like, how do we change the world? It's like one person at a time. Like, that's what it really does look like. And so I think prioritizing your joy and your healing are literally the most important things you could ever do in your life. And they're not selfish. They are the most selfless thing you could ever do. Yes. And showing showing your kids, you know, like by you promoting 
anything that helps to heal you, right? Whatever that is. And sharing that with your kids like, no, now is the time that I need this. Now is the time that I'm going to do this. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm going to step away. I'm going to take time. I'm going to take a walk. Whatever that looks like in your house, right? That is how we do that. So it's not this like big thing. Like it's these little daily acts. And and our kids, man, they soak it all up. And they they will do what we do and not what we say. Like they are watching and they are learning. And I see it every single day with my little ones. Okay, I want to talk about the book. Tell us about your book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. Awesome. Well, you'll learn more about my story in the book. But basically, the way I frame it is like, this is all the amazing things that will happen to you if you decide to take a break from alcohol. So it goes over first the body, the mind, and then the soul. So basically all the health improvements you'll receive. You know, I really dove deep into that when I first started. I, I lowered my cholesterol by 50 points when I dished alcohol, which is insane to think wow. how many people in America have either high cholesterol or high blood pressure, like the changes you can make on a cellular level. Yeah in your body for your cancer risk, your heart disease risk, dementia risk. I mean, it is insane. And those results can happen fast. Like just within like two months without alcohol, you can literally rewire and change so many different mechanisms that are happening in your body. You know, the health and wellness you feel as well, the mental health. I really love to dig deep into that because to me, it's actually now crazy to think I was drinking something that was actually releasing the same neurochemical that is like found in people who commit suicide, dynorphin, right? Like, And so all about that, all about the beautiful emotional changes you'll go through. And I think it's really emotional growth, right? It's not like pop, you're just going to be a happy person now. It really is a journey to develop yourself into the version of you who can hold your space for your emotions, who can feel all your feelings, who can really heal your relationship with yourself and your self-love and your forgiveness and all those kinds of things. And then obviously the spiritual side of really connecting deeper to something out there or to your loved ones in a much more meaningful, profound way and leaning into the things like gratitude, wonder, and awe. And then basically the reader gets so excited about it. They can't wait to do it. Uh, Then I guide them through an eight-week plan, which is based on really subconsciously deprogramming your brain away from desires for alcohol. So you're like turning off that switch and then navigating all the different situations that happen from socializing to holidays. And one of my favorite things about this approach is that, you know, towards weekend seven and eight in the program, I really start asking like, I want people to start experimenting out there. I really want you to start finding these new passions, whether it's going to a pottery class or going to a tango dancing lesson, like find what really brings you joy. Because I really think alcohol tricks us into thinking that it's, you know, joyful or fun just by a manipulation in our brain. That as adults, we actually kind of completely lose our sense of what brings us organic joy. It's like we don't even know anymore. You know what I mean? And often drinking is actually out of a source of boredom. There's not enough stimulation in our lives. And so, you know, once people really go out there and find their new passions and stuff like that, really kind of living life on purpose where you go for your desires is how the book kind of ends. And so... I needed this kind of a book that not only shared an incredibly positive, uplifting way of changing your relationship with alcohol, but also started turning on to like those deeper questions of like, what am I here for? Like, why is this happening? Kind of a thing as, as it having a deeper reason and a deeper purpose for you. And sometimes we can't see what that unfolding is in the moment. You know what I mean? But to just trust that it really truly as happening for a deeper reason. It's sold in all bookstores mostly. And then, you know, you can get it on Amazon as well. And just sharing more of my story too, from that, you know, cycle I was living of being healthy, but still using alcohol in so many different ways. 
And I think that we really are creating such a different like movement and revolution here when it comes to alcohol. And, you know, you said at the very beginning of the interview, like, wow, you were young when it happened. But if you think about it, you and I still, it happened around the same time. Like there's literally something special about what's happening right now in the last five years or so, or seven years or so in this space that like, we're all having this awakening. We're all at the same time, different ages, maybe having this awakening to what's possible without alcohol in our lives. And I think it's a really special thing. And honestly, I think alcohol will go the way of cigarettes one day and that we will all kind of recognize that they're just unhealthy and like incredibly bad for you. And it's going to be a fringe activity more so versus the mainstream one. And I think it's like you and I and everyone listening to the show, we're just like the early adopters, you know what I mean? To something we that's going to be normalized in the future. And I think that's going to be like, you get to be the inspirer and the role model for everyone around you, literally, whether they you know you're inspiring them or not. Yeah, I think that's so true. And you're so right. But like, even in the last five years, we've come so far, you know, and so, you know, it's not going to be the you don't drink. Oh, my God. Like, it's going to be more and more common. And right now we are just on the, we're at the beginning of it. And we're avant-garde. That's what we like to say over here. We're avant-garde, which means really fucking cool ahead of our time. And and that's a good place to be. I'd rather be ahead than behind. So that's good. <laughs> and we'll link everything in the show notes. We'll link your book. Tell everybody where they can find you so they can follow you. Yeah, I'm at euphoricaf.com. Uh, if you're interested, you know, in attending any retreats around the world, I'm hosting my next one in Costa Rica. We also have a really cool certification program. So I find so many women who change their relationship with alcohol really want to give back and help other people with it. So it's a Forex certification program. Not only are you going to get certified as an alcohol-free life coach, but also a mindset coach, a success coach, and an NLP practitioner. Plus, we have an in-person retreat included and a business mastermind. It's literally what I, exactly what I wish I had when I was first starting. Like, So if anyone's interested in that, obviously do check it out. And then I'm on uh, Instagram at euphoric.af. And please DM me. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if this resonated or like stirred up anything for you or any unfolding dream that you might be having or anything like that. And then also I have my own podcast as well, Euphoric the Podcast. And I really talk about discovering your alcohol-free purpose there. Good. She's busy, you guys. She's changing the world. Carolina, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Suzanne. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. 
I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.